ladies, welcome back to another episode of the Body Positive Mum podcast. With me, as always, your host, Adele Johnston. But today I am joined by a really special lady. Her name is Jen Kay. She is the owner and health and fitness coach at Lift, Learn and Burn. And Jen is here to talk to us today about some of the personal things that she experiences herself through navigating her way through PMDD and also with a lot of her core ladies that she helps and supports working through anxiety disorders and mental health, especially just now through this whole social anxiety that a lot of us are starting to feel. So I'm going to jump straight into this episode and let you just listen in to what we've discussed. As always, fully appreciate whenever you can share this out across social media and tag me in it at adele.johnston on Instagram. And also please do, if you enjoy the episodes, make sure you're subscribed for future ones so that you can get in there first. Let's jump straight in. All right, ladies. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Body Positive Mum. And I'm going to start this one off by saying I hugely apologise for the gap that it's taken to get you another episode. There has been a hell of a lot of things happening in the background. And I'm going to share that in a special episode dedicated to what the hell has Adele been doing all this time and not getting you another episode out. But for the time being, as always, I love to look at where to bring value into this space with the most amazing people out there in this place and space and time. And I'm absolutely delighted to have a good friend of mine who I've managed to build up an amazing relationship with over the last year and maybe longer, actually, and someone who is absolutely nailing this space. So I want to introduce you to my great friend, Jen, and Jen's going to just, Jen, just give us an overview of who you are and what you do, because you're just going to do it so much better than I can. Okay, I will. Hi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> um, um, as Adele said, lovely introduction there. Um, I am Jen, and I've probably been on my coach now for ooh, not too long, maybe just over a year. Um, my background was um, teaching. And I quit teaching in October to go full-time online. Um, and for me, my passion for online coaching came through my own journey. So I really, for as long as I can remember, struggled with um, my relationship with food, the way I saw myself, um, my mental health. And that was all really intertwined for me. Mm. And um, I run my business, Little Learn and Burn, with my partner, Phil. And when I met him, he helped me kind of overcome a lot of those things um, alongside a bit of counselling along the way. And uh, my own journey through all of that uh, basically helped me uh, to get to the point where I wanted to inspire other females to and support them through the journey that I'd gone through, basically, because I think one of the things that I really underestimated was the um, how for a lot of people, mental health is really intertwined with food and food decisions and how we see ourselves and how we view ourselves um, can really have a big impact on the choices we make on a day-to-day basis. So I suppose that's how I got to where I am now and why I help the ladies that I help. It's through my own journey, my own experiences and sharing that with others. Oh, that's amazing. And I absolutely love that you've got this story behind you where actually you've gone from, was it primary or high school teaching? I was primary teacher, year six teacher for like five years. Um, so yeah, I think 
it's nice to be able to take some of the skills that I learned from that and apply it to um, teaching adults as well, because essentially we're just learning skills as adults, aren't we? <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I've never thought of it that way, actually. That's that's really cool. And yeah, complete career change, right? So having spent yeah. that time and all that, you know, and I think this is it, right? We shape our pathways. And this was a core skill set for you to be able to grow such a successful business with your partner, Phil. So yes. lift, learn and burn. Yeah, that's the one. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. And you guys have your own podcast, right? We do. Yeah, the Listen, Learn and Burn podcast. Um, <laughs> so you can listen as you learn. Listen and learn. I love it. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, I think it was, I think the teaching for me, again, that comes, like, it does play a big part in my journey and, like, how I was able to improve my own self-belief and confidence to get me to the point where I was able to actually leave a career that actually I was pretty good at, um, mm. but left me really stressed, like, really stressed to the point where, like, my hair was falling out, like, I couldn't sleep, I was waking up with hot sweats in the middle of the night, like, I was bursting into tears in the middle of the classroom. Like I was in a really rough place with it. Mm. Um, and I think my journey helped me to build the confidence to actually really take that step out of my comfort zone and do now a job that I love. That's amazing. I mean, yeah, I, I, I didn't realise it was so intense for you because we've never really talked about this openly, have no. we? Like, it's just not no. something we've went into. So that's quite an intense reaction when you think of the way that our bodies respond to any stress, anxiety-driven situations. That's your central nervous system, your flight or fight or freeze response, really, really showing you those signs that, hey, Jen, wake the fuck up. We are not in a good place, girl, if things like your hair are, are coming out. And there's a lot of ladies experience and probably are listening to this right now thinking, yeah, like, I've, I have had that or I am experiencing that so I think as always it's always thinking about how have you overcome that so do you are you comfortable even sharing what steps or strategies did you find worked well for you in that situation yeah I think it was really interesting actually so I went um a lot of it for me was kind of practical strategies uh, of dealing with it in the moment and um, so I tried meditation took me a while to get on board with that because um I really struggled with um I didn't know at the time I was really struggling with anxiety in my racing mind Mm. I couldn't settle and I have um I was really stuck in a perfectionist mindset as well so I had this idea that if my if my brain wasn't clear I wasn't doing it right and therefore I would just give up and so I um bless you I'm a quiet sneezer, so you have to sneeze. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I spent a lot of time batting that one away a little bit because I think I couldn't quite get on board with it. Um, But um, I did start doing, like, little breathing, like, my Fitbit breathing ones. I actually used to allocate um, the only time I had in my day was um, in the toilet when I was at school. And I used to attach the time I was in the toilet with doing a two-minute breathing on my watch. Um, and a lot of it for me was kind of the way I viewed myself, the pressure I put on myself. Um, I was actually in quite a supportive school at the time, but I still piled all this pressure on myself with being in year six to get the children to a certain point um, because obviously it's such year, there's, there's a lot of pressure on the teachers within year six to kind of 
get the kids like I say to a certain point um but I pile a lot of that on myself um so a lot of it for me was time management priority I actually got counseling through school uh, which highlighted to me that actually my problem was probably largely rooted in anxiety that was causing my stress and the the kind of anxious thought paths that I was going down was what was triggering it so a lot of the practical strategies that I did masked it, mm. but I never actually got through it until one, I removed the stressor, which was school. And two, I really started to unpick some of those thought patterns. And actually I, I moved to a different counselor that I, I ended up going private in the end um, because I just felt it was the, the right thing for me at the time. And it's literally the best decision I've ever made. Like uh, we did a lot of exploring around, like I say, those, um, those thought paths and rooting it down into those core beliefs and, and the fact that a large percentage of what was my problem was just that I felt I wasn't good enough. Mm. And um, it's really interesting how I've now been able to kind of see that and help other people with that um, because it's really surprising how many people's core belief is that they're not good enough. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people listening right now will probably go, do you know what, actually, yeah, you, you, you resonate with me on that one. Mm. Um, it's a real big one that actually we believe that we're never enough. Uh, and that's what leads us a lot of our actions on a day-to-day basis that we push and push and push. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nodding away here, obviously podcast listeners can't see that but nodding, <laughs> nodding away in the background here because it's, it's it's definitely one and especially as females it's it's one that as women men are in here as well let's not kind of segregate it but as females we do tend to have moments in our life <clears throat> where we feel a lot more confident <clears throat> and then other moments where we don't and I've touched on this in a previous episode as well, more around the female hormone makeup and design, because obviously those three core hormones that we have in our body, so our estrogen, our progesterone and our testosterone, we've got three times as much testosterone in our hormonal makeup than what we do once we start our perimenopause. So, you know, again, the area that I'm kind of specialising into is looking at women who are kind of anywhere from their early 30s experiencing these fluctuations and changes. And when we have a heightened part in our cycle of testosterone release, this is where we have that, holy shit, I feel amazing and could conquer the world right now, right? And we all have those moments where we're like, I just feel really confident and feel really good. And then we have a drop in that testosterone level and we start to then feel a bit more vulnerable and a bit more you know, the shame element can come out around things. Why was I not good enough at that? Why could I not do what this person or that person achieved? So yeah, you're spot on. It's that settling of the racing mind, I think you mentioned yeah. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? It's really interesting that you talk about hormones as well, because I know I've spoke to you about this. Uh, I was recently diagnosed with PMDD. Um, and mm-hmm. for those who don't know, it's basically a intense reaction to the hormonal changes that um, you were just talking about there mm-hmm. and it's actually classified as a mental health disorder and um, so I have a severe reaction to those hormonal changes that actually really peak my uh, mental health problems mm-hmm. um, and I think that's been really useful I only found that out based a client actually told me about it mm-hmm. and it was such a liable moment when I was reading through it and being like 
hold on, like, mm-hmm. that's me. Like, mm-hmm. that's everything that I struggle with for my whole entire life. And who knew that was linked to my period? And I think hormonal awareness is really powerful like there'll be times when I'm checking in with clients and I'll scroll to the bottom and have a little look what day the cycle on and then I'll go back up and I'll start with so just to make you aware this is probably a little hormonal related check-in we've got going on here (laughs) because I think it is it's really hard to spot it for yourself isn't it sometimes when you're not potentially aware of any cycles it's hard to spot those patterns of like you say, the shame, the mm. self-criticism, the the way we see ourselves is so different to other parts of our cycles. Completely, completely. And, you know, I think if if I was to say anything further to that, it's it's a brave thing that you've done. Even di- having that diagnosis of PMDD is very difficult to get. So that premenstrual disorder is very difficult to get a diagnosis for. And I know that your journey took a while and it's only just been a recent diagnosis. So in a way, does that give you comfort that you've got this diagnosis, that you know that actually what you've been experiencing all these years has not just been something that you've made up? Yeah, it, do you know what? It really has. Like, I avoided it for a really long time because mm-hmm. I didn't want to like almost put this label on it, but actually putting a label on it helped me to kind of accept it as part of me mm-hmm. uh, and actually made me a little bit more proactive with it. I'd been tracking my cycle for like six months and I knew the uh, potential pitfalls of my cycle. I knew the trickier days. I knew the easier days. Um, mm-hmm. I had the knowledge. I just wasn't applying it. So I spent a lot of time actually applying that knowledge um but I think it, it kind of it made me the more I research into it the more mm. it did normalize how I've been feeling for a lot of my life like a big part of it for me was this severe drop of energy levels around my period and I remember like various points of my life like really struggling with my energy levels and I could never pinpoint why and I, I get really bad brain fog as well. Um, mm. So like, I actually muddle up my words. And I remember once in teaching, like I was speaking and like I couldn't get my words out. And I remember my TA saying to me at the time, like, what's going on with you today, Jen? Like, have you got some kind of like hormonal thing going on? Like, And it was the first time that mm. at the time I never connected the two. But like looking back now, I'm like, that was probably part of it as well. Because I've noticed that pattern that actually I do get a little muddled with my words and I don't really articulate what I'm trying to say properly around that time of the month so a lot of things that had bothered me for a lot of my life Mm. just kind of really came together and allowed me to understand myself that little bit more really yeah that's powerful right Mm, yeah so I'm really keen then obviously you specialize you work with women just now and you Mm. specialize more so in um, the nutritional elements and health coaching but with that approach to bringing in your own experiences around that anxiety management and and kind of mental health as a focus yeah do you want to explain to me and the listeners a little bit more around what does that typically look like um probably based on the fact that I know that some of my ladies and I'm sure you've got quite a lot and there's probably more out there listening to this thinking yeah yeah this is me right now We've obviously gone through or still are navigating through this massive world change right now through the pandemic. And with that, we've kind of had change for the last two years and we've had a lot of kind of social restrictions. We've settled into a new norm of just being in our four walls. 
Yeah. But we're starting to see now that with the vaccine rollout, you know, the UK today, it's just piped up on Sky News to say that there's going to be some more relaxation and what we're what we're basically being restricted in. So my question that I'm setting up here probably is in and around. There's a lot more social anxiety that seems to be coming and bubbling to the surface and so much as more social events and gatherings are starting to happen. People are starting to travel out to stay with loved ones that they've not potentially seen for a year or more. And it's taking people out of that form of controlling their environment, right? So I'd be really interested to speak with you on that and just have a chat through it really and see if there is any pointers or guidance that we can give to the listeners today listening in here thinking, Yes, that's where I am right now with that social anxiety. Yeah, I think I think it is really, really difficult mm. at the moment to kind of, um, like you say, navigate out of that. And I think the first, in relation to just generally that situation, the first thing for me is go at your own pace. Mm. Like, listen to you and your body. Like, I remember when things started relaxing, first of all, I think I particularly rushed into plans um, and I actually ended up just, cancelling a couple of those because it felt a little bit too much so just being okay with the fact that it's okay to cancel things if it doesn't if it feels a bit too much for you I think that's Mm -hmm. the first thing I would say in terms of that but then in terms of around um actual going out situations maybe increase calorie intake increase alcohol intake eating different foods that maybe we might not necessarily be eating I think a lot of it comes round to or down to sorry a mindset and the way we view that situation and mm. um, because what the patterns that I spot with particularly the ladies that I work with is this um real real negative like uh, beating up of yourself uh, in the well this isn't part of the plan therefore I shouldn't be doing it therefore when I do it I'm going to feel really guilty then I'm going to overeat because I'm feeling guilty. Again, I'm going to feel really bad about the fact that I've overeaten and then I'm going to eat even more because I'm feeling really bad and then actually, well, I've blown it now, I may as well just carry on. And realistically, that's the cycle we want to try and move away from mm-hmm. um, and put a break in. And that comes down to the big keyword that I use all the time with my clients is acceptance. Mm-hmm. So acceptance of where we're at right now and actually is weight loss and is that a real big priority right now or actually do we want to be prioritizing our social and mental health right now and just focusing on maintaining where we're at maintaining our positive habits that we've built and just easing up on some of the pressures that we put on ourselves to be a certain way and actually just go right now I have spent a year and a half, if not more, avoiding these situations. I'm going to purposefully go into these situations with the idea that I'm going to enjoy it. The purpose is not to um, be really strict with myself. Actually, it's to give myself permission to make my focus the social element of it, not the food choice element of it. And now, that doesn't mean go absolutely wild, eat whatever you want, mm-hmm. 
forget everything else exists that is actually just going okay I'm not going to be really super stringent on calories I'm going to think about how I can manage my week around that how I can manage my day around that and then how I can just be mindful and just going and giving myself permission to eat what I want but manage my portion sizes Mm -hmm. tune into my hunger signals really think about um, how much I put on my plate when I go to places think about do I need a three-course meal and the wine or would I be quite happy with maybe a gin and tonic and a main meal Um, and just really being mindful around your choices so that we've not got this real pressure to kind of count the calories within it or Mm. whatever it may be but just giving yourself that permission to eat a bit and I think just prime example a couple of our clients have been on holiday recently and the, the feedback was that they've for the first time in their life they've not overindulged on a holiday because they actually realized that they could still do all of these things outside of holidays as well and just because it's a holiday or just because it's a, an event doesn't mean that we have to overindulge or gorge ourselves on all these foods actually we can still make really sensible decisions that are good for our body and our mind without putting all this pressure of specific calories within things and being accepting of that situation and that it's part of the plan like these mm-hmm. things are going to happen we're going to want to eat out with families we're going to want to go to parties we're going to want to go on holiday and we can't constantly be coming up against these things and having this battle and this guilt fighting in our head we've just got to let up on ourselves a little bit and give ourselves our permission. And when you give yourself the permission, all the decisions become easier naturally. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that we've been really working on, just acceptance. Mm, I love that, yeah. I mean, it is it is a difficult situation when change like this occurs and all yeah. of a sudden the landscape has started winding up again Mm -hmm. and we kind of then have that moment of realization that we're not fully in control Mm -hmm. but we are and it's been able to then navigate through that isn't it and it's something that I talk quite openly about this as well and it's on some other of the, the podcasts but food is more than just nutrition and energy and I think it's that whole point of we've got people in the world who will view foods as good or bad, right or wrong, healthy, unhealthy. It's stripping back, like we said at the start of this, not attaching um, labels to things. So stripping back all of that and actually looking at, well, it's it's all about in the experience as well. So food being something to you know celebrate, to explore, to experience, to have with loved ones around a dinner table and actually be social and it you touched on it already it's that psychosocial element to life about being a human and actually the evidence shows that we need social connection to thrive and survive and Absolutely. you know yeah and if you, you just have to look back at um this is me showing my age now but I remember doing Maslow's hierarchy of needs as part of my university degree and Be thinking all that one well. Yeah, completely. <laughs> and I, I remember thinking at the time, it was all about the psychology of the human mind. Yeah. And I remember thinking at the time, 
What am I ever going to use this for? <laughs> here we are. And here we are. I use it all the time with my ladies. And it's about, for those of you that are not familiar with Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, a quick Google search, you're going to find it. Or if you jump onto my Instagram page, I have actually made a very sassy version of it so that it's not as boring to look at. But ultimately, it's a pyramid. And across those pyramid levels you have got your basic human needs on the baseline level of the pyramid. And basically what it's saying is that in order to then navigate and graduate up those levels in the pyramid, you have to meet those needs on the baseline level. So these are things like shelter, clothing, warmth, love. I think sex is on there as one of them for reproduction. Um, so there's a lot in there that are the core parts of your human DNA and makeup. And something I've been doing a lot on recently as part of my positive psychology certification is looking deep within genetically how we are wired in our human body. And it's part of, for, for generations past, we are part of those past generations and how yeah. we are made. So it's that happiness level, isn't it? You've probably covered this in your counselling sessions as well. Yeah, so we actually have, um, uh, once a month we have uh, my friend who is a mental health and wellbeing specialist, she comes mm -hmm. in and she does a lot around the psychology and the science behind mm -hmm. our, our minds and stuff. And one of the biggest things that um, I took away from one of her sessions was this idea that, um, and this is what you're touching on here, I think, is um, the idea that as humans we're wired to seek the negativity in situations mm -hmm. because that is... Caveman times, um, mm -hmm. danger meant Survival. death or yeah. injury, and therefore you sought out those situations to protect yourself, mm -hmm. and that is our natural instinct as humans. So we actually have to actively seek out those positive situations and look for that, and I think that's re a really powerful thing that I preach quite a lot now, um, because it's knowing that a negative our automatic response in the situation is likely to going to be that negative response and, and we have to actively seek out an alternative response to that. And I think that comes into this idea of going out and socialising, seeing people, our automatic reaction will be to seek the negatives of that situation. What can I do? Um, I'm not going to be able to do this. I'm not going to have control over this. I'm not going to be able to do this that I normally do. Well, it's actually going, like, let's flip that on its head actually I get to see these people I've not seen for a really long time I get to actually just take a little minute away from maybe tracking my calories and just have a little minute where I just really sit with food and enjoy food and be in that moment and be really present with food and just seeing all those other amazing things within that situation that you can take from it that and beating yourself up for not doing it a certain way or, or being a certain person in that moment um, and seeking those positives instead yeah oh massive absolutely massive I've actually just done uh um it was a strengths test so there's two of them available and just as part of this certification to understand how the kind of human genetics are made up and as part of our psychology and our psyche it was understanding well what I found quite I mean, it wasn't a shocker, but what I found quite enlightening was one of my very strong strengths is gratitude and hope. So yeah. being able to actually, like you've said, flip the upside of that situation. And yes. you're probably going to laugh at this, but within our household, and my kids now don't even need me to say it, they just come out with it. 
if something happens, the first thing that I'll do is I'll stop what I'm doing to acknowledge that something's happened. I mean, we're talking about anything from breaking a glass, yeah. you know, or spilling milk on the floor, right through to something more severe. But my, my instant response to it is, okay, so what's happened? Nobody's died, it's fully recoverable. And it's kind of like the mantra of the connection in there is being that life is so precious that once that's gone, it's it's gone. We're not getting that life back. So, you know... It, it, that, yeah. mm, and do you know what? It's really interesting that you say that because a large... And the, again, it's that how you talk to yourself in those situations, isn't it? Because... I use this as an example now, podcast the other week. I used to say if I smash it, I'm really clumsy. So if I say if I smash something, I'd be like, oh, Jen, you're such an idiot. But then, like you said, it's put perspective into that moment. Like, am I an idiot? Like, I just smashed a glass. Like, is the world going to end? No, it's good. We're all here. We're all safe. We're all fine. Like, perspective. And I think it's really powerful, isn't it? Completely. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I think you know, everybody has their flaws, right? That's what makes us beautifully unique. And I think that that's, that's a, a marvellous place to be. But, you know, it's, it comes back to that whole point of that the way that we are genetically made comes from generations back. So, you know, my physical being now, internally and up in my mind, has been partially, I think it's, and don't quote me on this, but I'm sure the percentages are something like 50% of your happiness levels come from your DNA, which comes from my mum, grandparent, and great-grandparent. So that's how far back my DNA is built. Yeah. And it's 50% I'm born with. So again, this is where we say, we hear people saying things like, is there depression in your family? Where, mm-hmm. on what side does it come from? Because the medical and evidence suggestion is that actually... Um, depressive tendencies can be inherited and can come from a long line of your genetics and your DNA makeup but then the other half of that so the other 50% is how we perceive things so do we automatically perceive it to be in a holy shit negative situation or a okay well what's the opportunity in this how how am I able to flip it and you know, it's not that neither way is right nor wrong. It's just how we are as humans. But we can modify and train that other 50%. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that's so important. And one thing that I preach all the time is that, like, our thought paths and our beliefs can be changed. Yeah. And that, yeah. it, because, like you say, I mean, you say, like, 50% DNA. And I think a large percentage of that other part comes from the learned behaviours of who we surround ourselves with. And, mm. and I think... Yeah. Again, as part of changing that is who are you surrounding your are you surrounding yourself with people who are thinking in the way that you want to think? And mm. um, because that is powerful. Because if you've learned those behaviours from the people you've been surrounded with for the the whole of your life, are those people then giving you those same behaviours consistently time and time again? And do you need to move away from those people to help you rethink, remodel where your brain goes and how you react to situations? And I think mm having that environment to support you is really um, a large part of being able to remodel yeah. those thought paths, isn't it? That is massive. It's just reminded me of something in the business world where they'll say you become the average of the five people you spend your majority of your time yes. with. So again, that's probably the same just in life, right? Again, it's it's not that we can disconnect ourselves from family, mm-hmm. but certainly if there is a negative influence, for example, 
you know, we're navigating a situation with my husband just now with his work and just the, the kind of work area that he's in right now is not doing anything for his mental well-being. So it's looking at, right, those things are a bit easier to detach from than, say, a parent or a child or someone that you have that connection with. But, yeah, it's massive. It just really interests me. I could talk about yeah, it forever. I've read so much around, like, the human psychology and the way we work. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting because I did... Um, as part of my, when I was doing my qualification, I did a behaviour change course. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that has helped me a lot more with my coaching yeah. than the nutritional side of things. Because I think ultimately our behaviours lead to our decisions. And I think working on our behaviours and our thought paths and our actions then impact everything else, doesn't it? Massively, yeah core values and beliefs right that's where it stems from yeah I love that so yeah and you know it's quite a funny thing but before probably until a couple of years ago I wasn't even entirely sure what my core values and beliefs were so again it's not that you're right wrong nor indifferent if you're also listening to this and thinking yeah I've never really spent some time thinking about that Maybe what I can do right now is Jen and I can invite you listening to this right now to take a task away and to sit down and have a think about, you know, what is your why? Where does your core values sit? You may have one, you may have 10, but ultimately is that happiness? Is that family? Is that success? Is that experience or freedom? But where, where or what are your core values that make you who you are? Yeah, powerful, I think right? coming back to that idea of things opening up and people wanting to do things and struggling with other things, it's like, well, it, it, is that part of your core values? Because if it is, mm. then we need to find ways to work that into your lifestyle because that's going to make you thrive and be the best version of you. So you need to have the tools to navigate around that so that you can thrive and be the best you. Yeah, I love that. So I suppose if I was to ask you for maybe what your top tips or guidance would be for strategies or tools in our toolbox for if we are experiencing or anybody listening to this is experiencing anything similar to what you've gone through or what we've talked around this social anxiety right now, what would they be? Um, I think one is get some help. <laughs> whatever that looks like, whether that is going to counselling, speaking to a friend, um, speaking to a relative, getting a coach, get some kind of help, support, have that support network with the correct qualifications to help you with what it is that you want to achieve. I think that's the big one. Um, And then maybe, again, I'm going to come back to that word, accept, accept the current situation, give yourself that permission to go easy on yourself um, and remember that this is a very short period of time and that it's it's off the back of a very difficult year and that it's okay. Like, tell yourself it's okay to just take a moment and, and put maybe a short pause on kind of any weight-based goals for, like, a weekend mm-hmm. or... A week, like in the grand scheme of things, it's out of 365 days, it's not going to have a big impact. It's more how you react to that. And if you've given yourself that permission, 
you're more likely to just jump straight back into those habits after that event and I think that's a real big one um, and then plan mm. plan like pre-plan plan your week plan your day plan what you're going to eat while you're there um, have an idea going into that situation so that you're not caught off guard and you're not making decisions in the moment so have a rough idea of what that's going to look like so that you can go in prepared and have some decisions made already and so whether that's reducing your calories by like 50 to 100 in the week maybe it's uh, reducing your calories a little bit in the day I always say to my ladies eat um one of my go-tos if um people are going out for a high calorie evening omelette great pack get an omelette pack it full of veg like literally fill it um, as much as you can get in there it's low calorie fills your stomach up and gives you a little bit more flexibility then to get you through the day so that you've got a bit more wiggle room in the evening and then in the moment like we said before those mindful eating strategies be present focus on what you eat and manage your portion sizes listen to your hunger signals try to work on that idea of stopping when you're full um and yeah I think I think they'll be my top three. I love them. Thank you. Amazing. Very practical as well in the whole omelette suggestion. I love an omelette. Love an omelette. <laughs> Nothing better than an omelette. Do you I like, like though, do you like a fluffy omelette where you like grill it and yeah. Or yeah. so this is I was introduced to the Irish way of eggs when oh, I, obviously okay. my husband's Irish. So I'd never experienced runny eggs before when I went to stay with them for the first time. Mm-hmm. And my eggs had always been made, if they're scrambled, fluffy. Yeah. If they were an omelette, under the grill, proper big fluffy omelette. And then I experienced my first Irish style egg omelette, which is quite, it's cooked on the kind of top and underneath, but really gooey in the middle. Ooh. So good. See, I've been converted on the runny scrambled eggs because I was always fluffy scrambled eggs mm-hmm. and Phil cooks them runny. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm on board with this, but I didn't, I've not tried the uh, mm. omelette version, so I'll so, need to give that one a go. So here's the tip to doing it. You will cook it off the same you would in a pan or you know, on yeah. your, your frying pan. And then once it's cooking on the bottom, you would yeah. then pop it under the grill, but not as long as for a fluffy one. So you're yeah. just getting the top bit done and then taking it out. So it's kind of still got a wee wobble in the middle. love that yeah I'm definitely going to try that one I'll plan that one in for my next event pre-event meal perfect I know oh I love that listen thank you Jen so much for taking the time today on your sunny Saturday to come and chat to me about this it's been marvellous and your your journey to where you are now you know we've chatted so much in this one around just the pressures that were on you back in your previous life to coming through on your core beliefs, to being diagnosed with PMDD, which is a really, really big thing to then have the answers to everything you were experiencing in your past, to now navigating that and helping other women with similar situations. So you are an absolute star and a diamond in this industry. And I want to just say, I appreciate you and everything you do to help the women that you do. Thank you, and thank you for inviting me on to speak to you all of the ladies You too. are very welcome. So I will make sure that the links to your social media platforms are popped below in the show notes, but just for reference, where can ladies find you if they wish to listen into more of what you do? 
Yeah, so if you just got onto Instagram, it's Jen K L L B. So the letters L L B. Um, and you should be able to find me on there. Amazing. Thank you so much. And as always, ladies listening to this, if you have any questions for myself or Jen, you know where to go. Just reach out to me and I will pass them on to Jen if you do not connect with her immediately yourself. Thank you for listening. Bye. Well, ladies, I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that episode as much as I did recording it with Jen and chatting through her experiences, both from experiencing PMDD herself right through to helping the ladies that she helps. Please always know that you're never alone. This is so important to know. You're just literally one message away from getting the help or the support or at least the guidance that you need in any of these situations. If you have enjoyed this episode, please do give it a review or make sure you're subscribed. It helps it to grow. It helps it to reach more ladies out there. And right now, that is the sole purpose of this podcast, is reaching as many amazing ladies as possible and helping through your journey.